Welcome to the How I Got Here podcast with me, David Elliott. Today, we're speaking to David Maxwell, who is the owner of Bujum, the Mexican restaurants that you'll find all over the island of Ireland. He tells us about his journey from Arizona right the way back to Botanic Avenue. David joined us in the city centre of Belfast, next door to a pretty busy building site, so do pardon some of the clangs and clatters. David, I, I want to jump in with a, a, a question which probably you get asked every day um, before we get into the nitty gritty of your career, which is, what is the secret of success of Bujum? And a bouge, and, and so yeah, maybe my first question should be, what's the correct pronunciation? Because there's about six different ones in this office. And then secondly, what's the secret to its success that's seen the queues outside nearly every one of your shops? Yeah, so I'll answer the easy one first. It's definitely bougie. Right. Um, and you're right, there's plenty of variations out there and we get a, um, the odd chuckle in the office too, um, especially when you're speaking to... Um, banks and others you know other partners that you're working with so it's definitely Bougem just to correct everybody out there um, any other variation here is not right in terms of what drives our business so um, thankfully um, I've actually just completed a really interesting exercise there with a, a new agency that we brought on board about really defining and capturing who we are and what we do and what are the reasons to believe in Bougem and what are the pillars of our kind of success and I suppose ultimately we are a food business, so we think about um, how we deliver that food every day, and so we we deliver the best quality ingredients with the you know the best service that we can deliver, and we try to do that as consistently well as we can, and and I think that's really ultimately what drives it at its core. But I think what we've been reasonably good at is wrapping all of that kind of consistent quality execution up with a brand that people want to engage with um, and that's been great and a huge part of our success so um, you know a lot of our messaging and our comms and stuff are usually well received and and people are happy to to, to engage and spread the message about Boozham and, and bring their friends down and bring their family down and you know there's just a real sense of loyalty now I think to Bougem that's been built up over the years so but it all, it all comes back to having a great product and that kind of consistent execution um, and there's lots of other pieces around the side about culture and well actually culture is really important um, and our people um, probably right up there with product actually but um, the combi- combined effect of all of that together I think it's just really has built a really cool and interesting brand in the food space in Ireland and one that we're very very proud of. Essentially, you have Bougem has a, a, a product that was offering something slightly different to what you could get in that kind of space, uh, and it, you know it yeah. really was just just tapping into people's desire for something tasty and new. Yes, so yeah, you're right. Um, so Bougem uh, um, really did help pioneer, I suppose, is a good word, um, the fast casual industry with Ireland, within Ireland, um, and clearly within our own space of having a, a kind of Mexican um, kind of menu and concept. Um, so we we would um, we would be responsible for about fifteen to twenty percent of the total volume of fast casual business uh, in Ireland at the moment, and so we've really we've led uh, at the front there. But the business has been going now for a long time. Probably some people may or may not realise it's twelve years old now. Um, and so when we acquired the business in twenty fifteen. There had been a really uh, an unbelievable effort from the previous owners and team to kind of build the business to the level 
um, that it got to and, and we were lucky to, to get into the business at the time that we did and it was probably just at the point where fast casual and Mexican was really starting to take off yeah. in Ireland and we were able to ride part of that wave but we're clear on like the, the foundations were were built uh, and there for us um, from the previous team and and it was a really nice position to walk into because there was you know lots of opportunity uh, within all of that um, but you mentioned as well about the queues in Botanic. Actually, um, one of the first things that we did was move that store. And the queue, so like there was a, there was a, there was a big debate around, um, does the queue bring people in? Uh, is that a, re you know, people walking past and saying, hey, I've seen this queue, I must join, that kind of human piece. Um, but our plan was to move the store down and take the queue inside. And people told me, you know, you're mad. Um, but I, I was convinced that, there were just people who couldn't or wouldn't stand in the queue because of you know Belfast weather or cold or you know just didn't like queues. So um, and thankfully the, the bet that we we made you know proved right. So we moved that tiny little store, which was the first one in Belfast. I think it was about eleven hundred square feet, and we moved it two doors down and doubled the size of it. And within about six weeks, we'd nearly doubled the turnover, just because we had more seats and the queue was inside and you were you know protected from the elements if you did if you did have to stand in the queue but with the original store um, if you were the second person in the queue you were standing outside so it, it did became a bit of a Belfast landmark and it used to feature in press and media and jokes and stand-up routines about the queue outside Boozham um, but there, it just shows you like it, it was nice and it was part of the, the, the kind of culture or the kind of cult status of Boozham but ultimately what people want is to be inside and they want a seat and you know they want to get their food timely and, and, and so we were kind of proven right there The queues may be alright once but uh, two or three times soon you might start getting a little I don't well know. You, you still have to queue don't get me wrong it's just how you queue and, yeah. and, 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 um, but thankfully as well by moving it to a bigger store we got a bigger kitchen we got a bigger line so we actually can serve more people quicker um, and then with more space we were able to do more things so like we were able to start thinking about delivery and, and, and having a second line in there that can support um, another side of our business and so just having more space just gives you more options I suppose um, I want to come back to Bougie later on but um, this is a career about this is a podcast about careers yeah. so how, do, how have you got there? Take us through the journey from, I suppose, leaving school and, and uni and things like yeah. that and how you've, you, you've got there because yeah. I believe it was initially uh, starting off in the, in the pub sector. Well, I suppose I take it right back. Um, my journey in the restaurant business started when I was 14 and my, my cousin gave me my first job in a bar collecting glasses and, um, you know, I would be at school during the day playing a bit of rugby and then dashing home and going to work that night and trying to blend all that in. But I, I loved it. What bar was it? It was a little sports club in Dundonald and East Belfast. So what, like, it wasn't anything to write home about, but the people there and the crack we had, like I still meet those people today. And we, as soon as we bump into each other, we just fall back into, you know, just the fun that we had years ago. And I probably learned more <laughs> as a young boy working in that job than I learned in the last four years of school and four years of university. You know, it was, it was definitely an eye-opener, um, but it was, it was brilliant. And, but it, what that did for me was just, and didn't realise at the time, I just kind of fell in love with hospitality and, and um, working in bars and the people in the crack, and, and I just loved it. But, you know, yourself, you're at school and, you know, everyone, your parents want you to do well and get your qualifications and, you know, university becomes the, 
the next natural thing. So at school, I was I was okay. Um, quite enjoyed kind of science and maths and things like that. So I decided at one point, oh, maybe I'll be an aeronautical engineer. So, um, but I, but I, I continued to work in bars the whole way through. So I went to a university in Glasgow. I always had a bar job and. Um, but I think, what did I do? I did three years at university. It took me nearly three years to realise that I didn't, I just didn't want to be an, aeronautic, an aeronautical engineer. I can barely say it. Um, and so I had, to, I had to pivot, really, I suppose, which was a difficult decision. You know, when you have... You don't want to let anyone down, but equally you have to do what's right for you. And I think that's a difficult decision for a lot of people. And I, I see a lot of people now or speak to a lot of people now who, who maybe didn't have the confidence uh, to do that, to back themselves and to, to take themselves out of something that they're not entirely happy in, to go into something that they are. So like I I, I left my education and, and went back into the bar business to take up a job that paid me not a whole lot of money because it was something that I loved to do. Um, and I just backed myself to say, right, if this is what you love, then you know, and you're prepared to work hard at this, then um, you can create opportunity. So, um, so I did. Um, I, 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 you know, did a couple of years in Glasgow working in bars, and then um, you know, ran a few ven- venues with with friends and for different people. Um, and then, what did I do? I decided to kind of change it up a little bit. So I said, uh, myself and a friend of mine, we're still young, early twenties. Um, we decided to go travelling to the States, to America, and um, while we were out there traveling, we bumped into a couple of guys who wanted to open some Irish pubs in, in Arizona, and you know they offered me a, a deal to come back and, and to do that, and it was one of the best decisions I made. So I went back to Ireland, started working on that plan, and then went back out to the States probably about six months later, and then went out with a three-year plan, and that ended up being nearly 12 years. What uh, time, time was this? What's this was 2001 to 2012, 2013. Wow. Um, and within that time frame, we just, it just did so much. And I suppose what it taught me was, like, if you're really passionate about something and you're, and you're willing to work hard at something, and I was thankful to find the right partners who believed in me and backed me. Like, my partners were, were, were effectively accountants who... Um, saw something in me and, you know, I had the ability to open up a venue for them and, and I was able to, you know, they were vested in, in interest, in equity in the, in, in the first venue and then we went off to build a, a bar business. that we had, we had three pubs, I think, in Arizona, one in Florida. And these are Irish pubs as well? Yeah, yeah, it was great crack. <laughs> like, you're just on an absolute winner when you're, yeah. when you're Irish pub, like, I think... I don't know, nearly half the population claimed, claimed to have some type of Irish heritage. Um, and so you're just a natural, pubs are a natural draw, but we actually opened the second Irish pub in, in Arizona. Um, the first one was like a plastic, you know, patty pub, like one that you wouldn't write home about. So we went out there, it was Irish owned and operated um, in a market where there just wasn't anything like it. And so it became almost a, an instant success. And then we just built from there. And uh, it was really exciting. Um, I think I was 26 and we had a business turning over nearly, you know, combined $10 million and 120 staff. Like, and if you'd said to me at 22, what you'd be doing, I'd be like, you're, you're mad. But it was the States for me, just, you know, as I said, it was just the right environment. Um, you work hard, you get back what you put in, um, land of opportunity. It certainly was for us. And, and, um, you know, the lifestyle was brilliant. Um, but it was all based on, 
those early decisions of look you want to be an engineer you want to do something you love and I picked what I want I picked what I loved and by 26 you must have gone that was the right decision oh absolutely it was and I I proved to myself but I went out there with a massive agenda um, that said hey look you I've chosen to go and move away from family I've chosen to go to um, a new country and I said I'm not going to go out there and um, not make the best of it so I've actually lived pretty disciplined life in terms of you know, work ethic, like we were working 60, 70, 80 hours a week to make these things happen. But that's no problem. Like that's how great businesses are built. And if you've, you know, I'm sure there's other businesses that have been built on less time, but that was just what our businesses required. You're opening in the morning and managing venues and closing them down at night and, you know, looking after your customers. So you, you kind of had to be there all, all day. But thankfully I was there with my now wife who um, was a big support in opening the venues and you know we built a really great team of people out there as well it was just it was brilliant but um that's not to say we didn't have a good time as well like arizona is a is a brilliant brilliant place um we were everywhere all over california vegas new york florida so it was good but like we, we we um we definitely worked hard and um you know without that ethic i don't think the venues would have really got to where they got to is there did, did that kind of u.s attitude of just positivity rub off on you when you were there and just you know try it you know that, that business, yeah. business ethic they have over there that's a lot more sort of just go just just do it just go get him yeah I think um, I think the ability to the, certainly there's a there's a entrepreneurial side out there in terms of you want to start a business and you want to um, from scratch there's the right environment to make that work um, and the Americans have a really, really good work ethic. I think they only get two to three weeks holiday a year, and they can't believe we get six here. They just can't understand it. Um, and even at that, I know some Americans who are afraid to take their holidays because, you know, people coming in behind them. And I think the the kind of employment laws and stuff were different, um, certainly in Arizona, but we're still a little bit wild west in some regard. But um, yes, yeah, so look, it, it, it presented lots of opportunity. But I think. The country itself allows, lends itself to that, but actually, what we decided to do was brilliant. There was no other Irish pubs, so we could kind of just, you know, put your finger in them up and go, "Is there an Irish pub? No, there's not one there. Great, that's you know, and that worked really well for us. So, but we we kind of knew that before we went out. It wasn't like we were, you know, just it wasn't totally unplanned. We knew that if we get one going, that we could probably do more, and and and, and we did, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. I look back in those memories, and it was just very fondly, you know. And, and what was the trigger for you to leave all that behind and, and move back to Northern Ireland? So the trigger there was, so we did, we did, well, we did the pubs for a few years. We actually had a couple of little businesses that spun out of that. Um, we had a couple of businesses that um, were kind of focused on the restaurant space that, um, I don't know if you remember the kind of days of Groupon and stuff. So we kind of had a, a local version of a, a kind of deal site um, that focused um, particularly on the restaurant industry um, and we worked with some of the best restaurateurs in Arizona and built up a platform where we would offer kind of deals uh, to the restaurants but it was more than that it was, we built out a really kind of sophisticated dining guide and all these kind of high level production videos and really for a customer or consumer they could go on and 
you know, look through a, a whole range of restaurants they'd never been to, get an understanding what the vibe of that restaurant was like, and you know, pull down menus and 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 um, make a really informed decision. And then at that point, if they decided they wanted to go, they could get a deal that incentivised them to get them across the door. And so that worked really well. Um, so we built that up, and then we spun into some web development stuff, and we spun into some mobile marketing stuff, and and so that actually my last few years was really focused in that space, and the pub business was kind of running in parallel. Right. Um, but then I suppose we got to that ten year mark, and I think there's a natural reflection point there where you go, hang on, I've been out here ten years. What am I doing now? Um, I think at that stage I was probably thirty, early thirties. Um, I'd been married. I think I got married in. In 2007, um, and um, and so we, it was just a natural point of like, are we having kids? Where you know, where are they? Where are we going to bring the kids up? And when you start thinking like that, you realise how much of a draw your family is. And I suppose for me, um, regardless of where I was in the world at the time, in my mind, I decided a long time ago that we wanted to bring our kids up in Northern Ireland because. You know, you don't realise it living here, but um, certainly versus the states, I felt the the education here is much better, the quality of life, um, brilliant, and we probably take a lot of that for granted. Um, and so, but for me, it was all about family. So, you know, my wife and I decided that we would definitely want to have kids, and we, we knew when we wanted to have them, and it was about where we wanted to bring them up. And so that that was for us was the trigger to come home. It was, you know, we left a lot behind, and again, it was another big pivot in our life where. We'd built up, you know, a few successful businesses and, um, you know, we were coming home to start again. So again, but we weren't afraid to take the bet because we'd done it before and I've always backed myself uh, and my ability to do that. And so so then we started looking, when we started planning to move home and we started looking for ideas to bring home, I suppose. And at the time... Um, the big buzzword in, in, in Arizona and the States in terms of restaurant industry was kind of fast casual. It was only getting going. And what that is really, it's just a, a kind of commitment to really a, a much higher quality uh, ingredient and kind of provenance behind your food, but delivered in a format um, you know, where the food comes up quickly and you can customize it. And yeah. um, you know, somewhere between fast food and kind of casual dining. Um, but it's it, you, you know you're kind of spending just a little bit more you maybe you would do normal fast food but you're getting so much more back and for me that that meant two so it was two two parts of that that I liked it was one it was on trend and it was new and different and um, it wasn't um, massively prevalent um, in Belfast um, uh, and two knowing that the reason we were coming home was to start a family like the one thing pubs are just not great for is having kids because just the the sheer time that's required to put into them and and the late nights so for me it allowed me to stay in my industry and jump into a sector or a space within that that was kind of was was um really popular and then having having worked with all the restaurateurs in Arizona, we got a really good in-depth look at some of the mechanics of that and what was working well, what wasn't working well. And so we had, we had loads of ideas to come home. And so when we came home, we had a little bit of a, a little bit downtime stuff and we had another business that we bought into that um, didn't really need a whole lot of our attention. And so, you know, after about six months, we started talking about this fast casual concept. Um, and that for us was, we, we kind of had started working a brand and a concept in the kind of um, 
Southeast Asian kind of style fast casual concept um, and so we spent probably I don't know six or nine months running around Belfast trying to trying to get that off the ground um, and it was actually through that process of negotiating with landlords and putting offers on sites and talking to various people that someone kind of heard what we were trying to do and suggested we go and talk to the Boojum guys because they had heard that potentially um, they were looking for an exit and so we did <laughs> and then so we, we kind of we met with those guys and um, worked out a deal whereby we would acquire the business and we, again we pivoted again and went from starting our own concept um, which we fully believed in to actually this is a great platform to build from um, and set about you know building a plan to to buy that business. And, and what, what was that? Because, you know, you've gone from building up your own businesses up until yeah. then to, to then to be looking, first of all, at a, at a Mexican yeah. place to also buying into somebody's idea and taking over yeah. their, their um, sort of mantra in many respects. Yeah, so look, I, I actually, of, of all the things I've done, it was the most comfortable position that I reckon I put myself in because it was where I just felt I knew exactly what that business needed um, so firstly, I lived in Arizona on the border with Mexico um, and a huge portion of our staff uh, who worked for us in the kitchens in, in Arizona were Mexican. And so we used to we used to eat so much Mexican food like in the restaurant. And then even when we went out at night, that was my go-to. We just loved it. So I, I would say I developed a real passion for um Mexican food and culture and while I was out there I picked up my Spanish again and like some of my best friends and even today I still keep in contact with some of the guys who work with us um, in, in Arizona who, who were from Mexico so look I just had a real affinity and uh, understanding of the food the flavours um, all of that I felt very natural and then again because I've been studying the fast casual space from my own concept I just had ideas around how a good fast casual business should operate and then um, you know, we were just looking into the future a little bit and seeing um, all of the uh, innovation uh, in fast casual and in the wider restaurant space, which again were further opportunities for Boozham. So um, most of those were in the tech space and new channels, which again I had the background of having spent time, you know, working in those other businesses. So the combined, like my 20 odd years experience of being in the restaurant business, having lived in Arizona and fallen in love with Mexican food and culture and um, having a real in-depth understanding of fast casual and lots of ideas of how to build the business. I just honestly, from, from day one, I've just gone in there and felt very comfortable. And thankfully, the, the team that um, you know that were there just bought into most of those ideas as well. And we're, we're all still together today and, and driving the business on, which is, again, something I'm really proud of. Um, how, how did you sell it to the funders? How did you how did you you know say to them this is this is the idea that I because they might they might have gone oh Bush yeah. has done really well but it's reached its natural peak was it was it talking to them about the value that you could add to it? Yeah, well, so so there's 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 a couple of parts to that. So in, in terms of funding, there's two stakeholders there for, for us that meant uh, a bank uh, initially, and so banks are at the time were willing to fund. Um, restaurant deals and this was like a, a management buy-in so we had to show the bank um, that we had the ability to run this business and that um, it was worth while 
um, you know, you know, we had the ability to run the business and, and ultimately repay um, any debt that we intended to take down from the bank. So that was one set of stakeholders. The other side then was that would the bank only fund to a certain amount. So for us, uh, the other side is equity. And so for us, um, when we lived in the states, we we took so many bets. Like we 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 um, I literally bet every penny I had about three or four times. And if either one of them had not worked, I was in trouble. Um, and so when you're coming home to start a family and you've got a wife and you're starting to think about houses and kids and stuff like that, I suppose you have to be fair and reasonable to um, to others, I suppose. Um, and and so. I, we didn't. I suppose I, I didn't want to write a huge check um, into um, this business initially because um, it just felt, um, you know, we needed to bank some of the the value that we'd built up in the states because we we exited out all those businesses and came home with a little bit of money. So um, so then you have to fill the equity gap, and you've lots of different options in there. We decided to go down a kind of private equity route. And then you're almost doing another roadshow. So we actually had a bank who were very supportive of um, us buying into the business. Um, one, they already banked Boozham, and two, we had a, a banking relationship with them somewhere else. And so we had forged relationships that made that relatively straightforward. And then, so on the equity side, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much doing a roadshow with um, potential partners. And we were thankful that we came across um, a young up and coming team who had never actually done a private equity deal but were a private equity firm and I suppose their values and our values were very much aligned and our, our they saw something in me and uh, in the business and the, the combined effect of the two and were willing to back that um, and um, our, our views on, on the potential for Bougian were aligned and um, where we wanted to take the business were aligned and so that was great, it was a kind of perfect harmony. Um, in terms of the what you've done since then to yep. change the business um, in how it works, yep. is, is, there, is, there, is that did you tinker with it much, or you know it seemed no. to be pretty successful anyway? Well, yeah. So look, I suppose we, we came up with this kind of concept um, of kind of preserving the core of the business, but then you know trying to grow it at the same time. Um, and so we to do that, we really ring fenced what we felt at the time were the real drivers of what made this a great business, and so that back to the original point was food quality and service style and so um, we, we just put a couple of firm rules into the business um, that we read lines that we wouldn't cross as we grew so sometimes when you grow you might think about doing things on a bigger scale or more efficiently um, we decided that um, you know we would have this rule that said no microwaves, no freezers. And so I think we're one of the only restaurant businesses in Ireland that cover the length and breadth of Ireland and does a volume that we do. We're not a single microwave and not a single freezer anywhere. Um, everything is fresh, fresh, fresh. And again, you taste that. And that's how we differentiate ourselves from others. And and so it's not only the best ingredients, but the process behind it is is unreal. Is that, is that difficult to, um, do you know, are there any show, are there any ways that like a microwave and a, and a freezer would make your business easier or, or, or more profitable? Absolutely. If like w There are businesses who pretend to do what we do uh, all over and you go in there and you can't find um, any heavy cooking equipment, but you hear ping, 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 ping in the background. Um, you know, I'm not going to name them, but... Um, 
it would make it incredibly easier. We could trade out of a lot more sites. We could, um, the planning requirements would be different. Um, you know, probably a lot of the costs would be different. But, but, but look, it's not something I'm remotely interested in. So um, that aligned with my own personal values. Like I've always believed in giving people quality and you'll, that will be returned in loyalty. And, and that's what we've done. Um, and so we had all these rules that just protected everything that was good. Um, but equally, we set about, we probably wrote a list of, you know, 10 things. Um, I actually pulled out that plan the other day just to remind myself. And, um, you know, we've delivered on all of them. But 10 opportunities, um, one being just kind of tidying up the brand. So, like, we I think we picked up four sites, four sites, um, all four sites at a different sign above the door different branding different colors different versions of logos you know and you know we just set about putting a proper brand around all of it so we hired an agency in and we set up we did a lot of work with them about tidying all of that up and putting a good bit of structure behind it and creating all these uh, brand guidelines we um worked with our architects to kind of develop a, a kind of fit out standard that we could replicate um we started thinking ahead in terms of you know the, where we wanted to take the business and what we would need to support that in terms of people and functions and um, so we set about you know bringing some new people in and creating new departments within the business and um, you know so just to get the, the foundations right so once you've got um, a really great product and you've got um, guidelines that really govern how you then do things and um, you've got the right team to deliver that then then we started to go go hard, you know. So I think um, the first year, I don't think we opened the site. We moved the botanic site, um, which again was positive. But we we actually didn't open our first site until sometime in twenty sixteen, uh, and then we opened thirteen. <laughs> so, but we had the structure and the foundations to support that. It was well planned out. Um, look, it wasn't without its challenges. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, pretty much. If something could happen, it went. It happened, but at least we had the, um, you know, a structure that could mitigate against that. If we didn't have that, it could have been very different, you know. So we talked about you know consistent execution as we scale. So will this next, will the twelfth restaurant be as good as the first restaurant? And um, we've proven that because we can see um, that the the customer reviews on this site will match what they are on this site, and and so. But we had to have training and you know, all of this process in place that would make that happen. Um, so, yeah, look, we, 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 again, this is about preserving what's really good and then, but then trying to figure out how you grow it at the same time. And I think we've done that pretty well. And so you said another 13 sites. What does that bring you to now? Is it 17, 18? 18 stores, yeah. 18 stores. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's throughout the island of Ireland. And- yeah, so we are... Um, that's probably gone out in Belfast and Northern Ireland, but I, I speak to so many people they don't realise. So we have six stores in Northern Ireland, but I actually have 12 in South. So there's nine in Dublin, uh, one in Galway, Cork and Limerick. Um, and then the stores up north, so one in Derry, and then I think there's five in Belfast. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty big business. Uh, now, so we'd be one of the largest uh, independent food businesses in Ireland and certainly the fastest growing in the last number of years. I actually think we don't really put ourselves forward, but we would have, we probably would have been one of the fastest growing companies in the UK for yeah. a period of time there in terms of revenue growth and stuff. Um, but 
you know that's beside the point how we measure our success is our customers happy our staff happy and and um you know we, we don't really participate in things like that but it's sometimes it's good to get a reference point to say like has this been successful and that's how some people might measure it and are, is it replicating that success you know in different regions yeah so we we've um you know i think um when you can go to cork and open a business like a lot of people said you know cork's a tough market to crack but it's probably our one of our best stores right now and massive like for like growth and a brilliant team down there so the brand just just proven that it has traveled really well um and that's been great and it's probably been a really good um, part of the expansion to show that we can take it to places that maybe others have tried and um, it hasn't worked you know so it's it's uh, it's good I suppose the big question there is do you now look east yeah no, I think I've said this before like we're kind of running out of runway in Ireland you know what we've realised through all of this is that um, to support a bedroom store like some of our stores will have 1500 people a day going through them it's, it's insane amount of people but to support that 365 days a year you need a really significant catchment like um so um it's really big cities for us and then it's how many each big city might take and um don't get me wrong not all stores trade like that but um so for us it's we have a couple of sites that we've earmarked in ireland where we're in discussions with landlords uh, at the moment but some of those are dependent on development works being done so I, I don't think um, unless something comes up I don't think we're going to open um, any sites in the immediate short term um, we've got planned openings for 2020 towards the end and 2021 actually in Ireland but I suppose the next big phase of growth for us will, phase of growth for us will be um, in the UK mainland and we are working on that plan at the moment which is really exciting too um, because we just don't believe that whilst there are burrito Mexican fast casual businesses out there we've eaten I think in nearly all of them and we just we just don't believe that they have a product um, as good as Bougem and so that's something that we're really excited about Watch this space then Yeah yeah absolutely um, I want to you know as we're, we're kind of talking about your career but how important are the team that you or the team that, first of all the team that you took over and how important is it to nurture that the talent that you bring into the business oh absolutely so um from the moment i met the team i just saw th- there was really three core people who f- formed part of the senior management team i just saw like real passion in them and um work ethic and that is just what drove me in the early part of my career and i just was instantly warmed to that and i said you know this is the people that you want to go on a journey with um, and so hopefully um, we have tried to um, nurture that Like I think all of them have gone on and we've invested in their education and qualifications and we've helped support their growth within the industry and within Boozham and um, you know they're, 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 they're just great they just, they, they just would lead for for Bougium, you know as would all the other senior managers that we brought in and across the business it's just a real culture there of um just people really believing in what we're trying to do um which is amazing um but yeah like uh, those guys have been instrumental like we would not have um you know got to where we were if they hadn't 
done what they've done. Um, so th- th- those guys now they manage you know our, our um, central kitchen and kitchen operations or operations across the whole business and NHR so that's recruitment and training and um, those are again the pillars that you need to really grow so like I can have all the best ideas in the world but if you don't have a team that believe in it or can actually deliver it then it doesn't matter how good your ideas are so um, and again for me that's, an, that's another measure of success where um like we, we we've inherited a team and really developed those guys. I think uh, I, I know, um, and um, you know it's been what nearly four or five years now, and we're looking forward to another four or five years. So it's it's very positive. Is it them that are, are able to because you know you see the teams working? It's it's on, on plain sight when you go into any of your your restaurants that you need a real good team behind the counter yeah. that are working together that are. Yeah, you know, or sort of like a burrito with somebody putting the, yeah. the, the sauce on or somebody doing. Yeah, how, how do you replicate that in your new venue? Because you you got to go find the, the people that that are our customer facing yet able yeah. to to um, to actually pull together a decent burrito yeah. at the same time. How do you find those people and how do you instill that kind of enthusiasm into them? So there's a, I suppose there's a built up understanding of what makes a good. Um, potential staff member for Boosham, a crew member for Boosham. Um, I think Fiona, who heads up HR, would describe it as energy, expertise, and passion. Um, so you, there's only so much of that you can document, right? So we, 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 we have training guides and we have all of this stuff and we have, you know, recruitment, um, uh, you know, policies and how we do things and, you know, what we're looking for. But it just, you're just really looking for, for that. If you find somebody's got the energy and the ability to learn and, and, and the desire to learn, passion for the industry, then you can always work with that. Like, it's not always about experience. It's not about what was your last job. It's about, you know, do you really want to come work here? And, you know, you, you wanna, how are you going to treat our customers and, and, and your fellow staff members? Are you going to be a good team member? Because... One thing about Boosham, like our guys work harder than most teams do, and um, just because of the sheer number of customers that we put through, it's very easy to go out there and get a, a similarly paying job and have to work a little bit less. But for some people, there's just something about that environment where you know that team ethic and everybody working for each other and customers are happy and, and you know and managers are there to support you that people just want to buy into. Um, and so we've again just over the years we've just. Um, We've just developed those training guidelines and and um, you know policies around how we bring all that together and putting the right people in the right places, the right management team, and investing in the teams and developing a culture. Um, you know, one of the, I think one of the best things we did in my time was um, we did this uh, great places to work survey, and we were really just looking for tidbits of like where we could get better. But what we found was we surveyed. I think at the time we had two hundred and. 50 employees, I think we've now got nearly 500, but we, um, that survey told us that um, there's something really special in this business in terms of culture and um, trust and um, just people wanting to, you know, work for each other. And we've just really built on that end, but that survey just kind of defined it for us and said, look, this is where you need to maintain this, but you could work a little bit on this. Um, but we ended up winning awards. We were, we were ranked uh, in that survey um, in one of the top places to work in Ireland, um, ahead of some much, much, much bigger brands who've been going a lot longer uh, than us. So we had that, again, great foundation of, here's a load of, you know, give, the cust- or give our staff a voice and um, 
you know, we we uh, asked them their opinions on things and we built up an understanding of the business and we've just kind of tried to evolve that uh, over the last few years. It must be quite a pat on the back to, to hear that your staff are independently being pretty pretty you know pretty nice about the business and about what it's like to work there. Yeah, but again, it's it's not one person. It's not. Uh, um, I certainly wouldn't describe a pat on the back for David Maxwell. It's a pat on the back for um, our supervisors and assistant managers and general managers. They're they're the guys that really um, manage the teams every day. Um, it's a pat on the back for everyone who, who's decided to come work for Bush and we put everything into it. So, you know, I can again stand up and say this is the type of business that we want to build and the type of culture we want to have and but we need people to buy into that and really back it and so we've been blessed that people do people working really hard on that i mean we we think about our staff first and nearly everything do you ever do you ever look back and think do you know what i could have ended up being a, an aeronautical engineer and life would have been a lot easier no i don't look back and think um I could have been an aeronautical engineer. But I do look at other people's roles and jobs and think, just for a day, what would that be like? Um, because whilst we talk um, really favourably about all this stuff and we're really proud of what we do, there's so much hard work. Like, I made a lot of sacrifice along the way. Thankfully, I've got a really supportive wife and three amazing kids and a very supportive extended family who have to cover for me because it's... You know, we're now all over Ireland and a much bigger scale and we're wanting to do more. And, um, you know, if you didn't have that support, yeah. that would be um, immensely difficult. And so, like, I do have friends who have the nine-to-five job um, and they switch on at nine and off at five and that's it. That's all they're paid to do. And there's something appealing about that. But I just don't think it would sustain me. Like, when you're a business owner, kind of, um, entrepreneurs some people may say uh, you're never really off you know um, but I enjoy that like, don't get me wrong I'm not saying it's a negative it's, it's just a, it's just how I am wired um, but uh, you know it, it, it's I suppose in the future I, um, I've I have set my own goals and you know we want to take this concept across the UK I want to grow a great business over there but I want to do that in a way where if I can Reduce the amount of time that I have to put in. Again, that's another measure of success for me, and I can give some more time back to the kids. You know, thankfully, I'm getting to do quite a lot at the weekends. But like, oh, you'll not see me before nine, ten o'clock at night during the week. It's just most nights. Um, but it's just that's the sacrifice. But for me, I'm I, I'm doing it for my family. Like that is it's for their future and. Um, you know that's what drives me I don't look at um, you know it's, it's, I don't get up in the morning and think of you know have we made this or don't, I'm not driven by profit or anything like that I just want to build a good sustainable business that will support me and my family in years to come and, and give them the opportunity that they want to get out of life you know so um, I've come across lots of people um, that have got to that stage that you did at university and have, you know put the years in Yeah. And, but had another passion and didn't follow it. What would you say to somebody in that, that kind of situation now? Well, I'm certainly not sitting here telling everybody just jack it in. And um, I suppose there's an element of luck to what I did, but I firmly believe you make your own luck. Um, I wouldn't be making any decisions that are not well thought through, planned out. 
there's lots of ways to to experience other things without moving away from what your current plan is um you know short term you could get some work experience somewhere you could you know go and find a, a mentor who can open up things for you you could take a sabbatical you could take a year out um you know but you, you just have to be clear that what you're doing is that there's something there um for you to go to and but don't do it on the basis that if you're not willing to put the time and, and the hard work in because it, nothing comes easy um you need to be patient you need to put the put the time in and have a really good plan <laughs> you know um i suppose looking back what did i have much of a plan not really but through lessons in life over the last 20 years since i made that decision um you know probably should have had one you know so i get asked that question a lot what should i do what should i do um there's no right or wrong answer it's just what makes you happy super um david it's been fascinating um to hear it's it's a brilliant story uh of of a a, a name that we you know lots of us in here and, and everywhere have really come to come to know and love and rely on as a as a staple as you say of fast dining um so thanks so much for your time and thanks for telling us your story thank you 